listeners. Welcome to Talk With Me. This is Marcia Epstein, and I'm going to just say this is the day after the 4th of July that we're recording, and my husband and my dog and I spent the 4th of July in Lucas, Kansas, and you say, what is Lucas, Kansas? It's this amazing art community, grassroots, cool, weird art all over this little town, and we just had a blast, and so I'm saying that out loud because it's, it's so on my mind, and if you live in Kansas City or Topeka or Lawrence, or if you live in the other part of the state, you know, it's basically central Kansas. It's only three, four hours away, depending on how 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 what, how edgy you are, I guess. It's a cool thing to do. Go go see the Garden of Eden. Like, what? Go see the Kansas uh, Grassroots Art Center. Go wander around the town and just see the cool stuff that's around and, and the welcoming people. It's just going to be a blast not like any community I had ever been in before. So as I am all about the arts, I thought that was a wonderful thing. And as I'm all about getting out, experiencing new things, I think it's a wonderful thing. I always encourage you, go try some things you haven't done before. It's awesome. And today I'm getting to meet some people who are artists um, and artists of a different kind than the usual that I have here, since I know that I'm kind of biased towards the poets and the small press poets and that kind of stuff. Um, lots of cool stuff going on in the writing world. This time it's more in the performing world. And I have two guests today, John Robinson and Jason Kieser, who are members of the Guild Theater here in Lawrence, which is another novelty for me. What? Your guests are in Lawrence? <laughs> yes, they are. So welcome, you guys. I'm excited to hear about things that you're doing. Good morning, Marcia. Glad to be here. Good morning. Thank you. So tell us all a little bit about this guild, this guild theater, comedy, improv. There's so many things, and I'm so interested in the power of arts to see us through hard times. So it's like comedy is super important. Anyway, tell us about first this big project. What does it mean to be a member of the Guild Theater? Well, we are just a group of folks that uh, that like to get together and do a little bit of, of comedy improv theater. Um, I trained I trained in Chicago doing some improv and uh, decided I wanted to come back to Kansas, so I brought it back with me and. Uh, I found some folks here in Lawrence that like to do the same thing. Yeah. And so we get together a few times a week and we practice our craft and have a little fun together, prepare for shows. And then we present a show once a week, sometimes wow. more, to uh, to the people of Lawrence. That's a lot of shows. Well, you know, uh, <laughs> It seems like a lot of shows, but still, it's for most of us, I think, it's not quite enough. <laughs> ah, cool. So, Jason, tell us about you being involved with this. Well, um, as John had indicated, uh, he had been all over the place, and when he finally landed here, um, I had already been involved in the local improv scene a little bit, and so uh, it was kind of a natural transition to start working with John. Uh, as he said, collected a, a group of people around him uh, uh -huh. to continue to work together. And I guess the way that I got involved in it initially is just I, I love performing. I, I really enjoy the opportunity to do things that are different. Uh -huh. And uh, that was improv was something new for me. Um, I don't know how strong the community uh, was before I got involved because I wasn't there. So I, I, I just don't uh -huh. have that information. 
might have been really lively or vibrant, but um, I was just really excited to get the opportunity to work with somebody who had been all over the country uh -huh. uh, training and practicing and uh -huh. doing shows and all that. So I, you know, you and I know each other as social workers mm -hmm. and sort of my tagline for a talk with me is that it's at the intersection of art and mental health. Mm -hmm. So it's really perfect. But I want to ask you as somebody whose work life is in substance abuse counseling, um, what, what do you think about with your improv and how that sort of enriches what you do? Yeah, I think that's a really keen insight uh, as far as how those two intersect. For me, it's largely about being in the moment. Uh -huh. You know, with social work, it's all about meeting people where they are. It's all about giving people the opportunity to uh, explore the situations that they find themselves in rather than leaving them. Mm -hmm. And that is probably at the heart of a good, uh, meaningful improv scene okay. is that you don't leave. Uh -huh. A lot of times we have this instinct to just be like, I don't know what's happening in this scene, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get out of here. I'm gonna change something drastically. I'm gonna run away. Uh -huh. And if you want that scene to grow, you really have to give yourself the opportunity to not know what's gonna happen next. Uh -huh. And with uh, the work that I do with social work and with the substance, I mean, you just described it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's one of those things, and this is one of the beautiful things about social work, uh, uh -huh. for me at least, is I keep finding circumstances in life. That seem to just define social work again and again and again. Uh -huh. There's there's so many similarities, and improv is absolutely one of those. Uh -huh. That sort of living in the moment. That's something that that we take very seriously in improv. Uh -huh. <laughs> as far as you can take things seriously, I suppose in a, a comedy format. But uh, when when you're in a scene, there's a tendency to want to talk about you know, make up things that have happened in the past or plan for things in the future, when those things are ultimately less interesting and less funny than what's happening right now. We're watching this scene happen on stage for a reason. Uh -huh. So what is the reason we're seeing this right now? Uh -huh. uh, sometimes people on stage, they, they don't know what to say because uh -huh. we don't have a script. We don't plan ahead of time. Uh -huh. So what we train to do is we train, take stock of what you're feeling right now. If you don't know what to say, say what you are feeling. Uh -huh. I'm really nervous. I'm confused. I don't know what's going on. Uh -huh. And that will help jumpstart what's happening right there in the moment. It's very cool. <laughs> How did you land in improv as the type of comedy that you really wanted to work with? Well, uh, I've been a professional or semi-professional actor uh -huh. for over 30 years. Uh -huh. So I started when I was a kid uh -huh. and I loved acting all, all through my teenage years. When I was 19 years old, I found in the small town I was living in, there was no theater at all to do. And I could not imagine an existence without theater. So when I was 19, uh, because no one told me I shouldn't or couldn't, I started a community theater group. Wow. I gathered some folks around me and we had at, uh, by the time we were, we were finished, we had six shows a year, including fully staged musicals. And, uh, this was all before I was 25. Wow. And uh, when I look back, I think there's no way I should have been able to do that, <laughs> but somehow it worked. Okay. We put uh -huh. on some good shows. Uh, -huh. uh, so once, once I left that, that community theater, I thought to myself, I'm 25. I probably should go out into the world and learn some things because there are things I do not know. Mm -hmm. I will go, I'll go learn from other directors and see what they have to teach me. So I went 
and and did shows for other people for a while. Uh -huh. uh, at the end of that period, I thought, I am now ready to have my own theater. I will find a place to put it. Again, no one told me how much work this would be. Yeah. But I, I thought, I, I'm, I'm going to do a theater. Um, what is a way that I could do this and have shows just literally all the time? <laughs> <laughs> and that's the part that amazes me. <laughs> the answer that came to me was improv because you don't have to have a script or sets or costumes. Okay. You could do a show almost anywhere, anytime. Uh -huh. I thought to myself then also, John, you do not currently have the skills to run an improv theater. So I started uh, a master's program in business at UMKC. Of course. <laughs> to, <laughs> to learn how to do the business part. Uh, and I went to Chicago. Chicago to do uh, to do training at Improv Olympic, which is I.O. Second City. Cool. That's really cool. Brought those things back and, and started the theater. And how smart to pursue the business side as well as the art side. Well, yeah. I, I didn't want to be one of those theaters that opens up for a, a short amount of time and then crashes into the ground under its financial problems. Uh -huh. Because financial problems, I mean, it, it's so hard to, to be financially viable as an artistic entity. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. That's wild. We have two sons, and our younger son, the, the, one of the first things he did when he turned 18 was started doing stand-up comedy um, at, he'd go to the Legends, to uh, Sanford, sure. and perform there, and he found that was really his comedy. And so in asking about improv, I'm, I'm really aware from talking to Raph that, that there are very different kinds of comedy and different experiences as the performer. You know, that for him, he said, stand-up is what he loves. He does not want to be an actor. He does not, he doesn't have any interest in being part of an improv troupe. He likes stand-up. And, and that probably his next career will be teaching at a university. <laughs> so he's talking about going back to get the doctorate. But that's another story. But so it's, it's interesting to me because I, I love to laugh. I'm pretty known for that. I'm one of those people that people will say, I hadn't seen you in years and I was someplace and I heard your laugh. And then I came over because I knew it was you. It's like, yeah, I think it's so important. And I love what to me sounds like a huge challenge with improv because being in the moment is a really powerful thing. And it's also expressing that in front of other people is also to me taking that, that willingness to be really vulnerable in front of other people and see how this works. You know, you've got your, 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 whoever's with that set of you on the stage for that particular piece, as well as your audience, and everybody is counting on you in certain ways. And so I find that really interesting. And imagine that doing it, like any kind of art creation that gets shared, is really powerful personally. That's cool. It absolutely is. To me, there's no better feeling in the whole world than being on stage and you're, you just, you've let go of everything except what's happening right now in the moment. The, the words that are coming out of your mouth, you're not even thinking of. And they're, to me, when they come out of my mouth, they're surprising to me. <laughs> I make myself laugh on the inside because there's no way I could have just said that, that sure. thing that just came out of my mouth. Jason, have you had that kind of experience? 
yeah, I, there are times when you'll look backwards and you'll be like, oh, that that started there. And you, you kind of look at where you're at and you kind of backtrace it like uh, Billy from Family Circus, the little dotted lines, and you see where you came from. And it can be really surprising to see that step to step to step, how you got there, where you came from, but that it really just sort of generated spontaneously from allowing yourself, as you said, to be vulnerable. Uh -huh. uh, for me, one of the greatest things, and this often happens in workshops, is you'll end up, you know, you'll see somebody working or you'll be working yourself and you'll have this moment of, oh, the pressure's on. I've got to say something. I've got to, you know, move this thing forward. I've got uh -huh. to be funny. Uh -huh. And that's almost when the scene stops because you're no longer in the moment. You're now in your head and thinking, oh, I've got to make something happen. I got to, whereas, as John was talking about, if you just give yourself the opportunity to follow, Almost, it's almost like following yourself and allowing things to just happen. It will almost always be interesting, and it will happen in a way that you just don't always anticipate. Yeah, so it's, it's pretty pretty great. You know, and and as I hear that that kind of chain of events thing, you know, that that doing this thing in the moment came from this moment, this moment, this moment, this moment. What I love about that, and and as I mentioned before we start recording, I, I'm always listening for kind of life lessons. Is that when we are able to, to act based on what's really happening in our real lives, what's really happening as opposed to these messages I have about who I am that I developed since childhood, these fears about what may happen in a way that are really not necessarily really related to the truth of what would happen, you know, that, that when I could really start from my perspective, forging new paths instead of staying on that one that's familiar, I can get to much better destinations. <laughs> One of the most important things that we do is in, in workshops, as, as we train ourselves to do improv, uh -huh. we learn to quiet our brains and get out of our own way and just let things happen. We don't, when people sign up for an improv class, they think I'm gonna go in and I'm just gonna be as funny as possible. And it's going to be great when <laughs> when oh, okay. when uh, when people try to be funny. Though to me, many times they are not so funny. Uh -huh. When people are real, when people are genuine, uh -huh. and they just are themselves, that's when they are the most funny, and that's when the most uh, sincere improv can happen. Uh -huh. And comedy comes out of those moments. Uh -huh. Comedy comes out of just being real and being human and communicating with one another. Yeah. Not in not in trying as hard as you can for that perfect wordplay. Yeah. There's a time for that and there's a place for that. Uh, Stand-up is much more based around those kinds of things and uh, you, where you can, you can sit down and you can craft just the exact right paragraph to say. In improv, we don't have time for that. Uh -huh. We The audience is there watching you. So the best thing you can do is just be yourself. And every individual is different and every individual has something brilliant to add to the stage. That's very cool. <laughs> and and I've, uh, I've mentioned, uh, we have a mutual friend, Uta Walters, who's been, who's, lives in Germany, but comes to, to Kansas again a couple times a year sometimes. Um, and, and hearing her talk about embracing things that might seem like mistakes, you know, yes. and, and also elevating everybody, not just yourself. And I love those concepts. 
there are no mistakes in improv. Uh And I love that as well, because just the, the slightest little mispronunciation of a word can take us in a brand new direction that no one could have ever predicted. Uh One person, when they come on stage, they accidentally laugh at something that was unrelated and that gets woven into the tapestry of what we are doing Uh and it becomes, it becomes part of it. Yeah. So the guilt theater in terms of how people can get involved and the improv becoming a member, that kind of stuff. How does, how does that work? Like, are there classes? Is it, is there a formal structure? People just show up and have what, what, you know, if people think this sounds really cool and would be really good for me to do. It is really cool. And it would be good for them. (laughs) (laughs) Right now that probably the best way is go onto our Facebook page. It's the guild theater Lawrence. Uh And you can send us a message, uh-huh. and and I'll talk to you a little bit. Uh-huh. Alternatively, uh, we have we have workshops on Wednesdays at six fifteen at our theater at nineteen ten Haskell Avenue, and people can just pop in and and take a workshop with us. So, how do people find you when they get to nineteenth and Haskell? There's a there's a little strip mall there. Right. Uh, our sign will be installed. We are told <laughs> literally any day. <laughs> But we've we've got yellow yellow striped curtains in our windows, and there's there is a small sign that says the Guild Theater, <laughs> a larger sign any day. It'll be floating right in. That would be beautiful. So <laughs> right. so people might know there's that big Dollar General building. Something. Yes. It, what what? We're south of the Dollar General building. Okay. okay. There's a there's a a liquor store right next to us. <laughs> well, there's just also, in case. There's also, and this I always find entertaining because of my. Uh, my training in substance use and addictions. Uh, we're square between a methadone clinic and a liquor store. <laughs> yeah, so crazy. I always sell it as laughter is the best medicine. So <laughs> on one hand, you've got the liquor, which can often be self-medicating, and the methadone, which is <laughs> doctor prescribed. And improv doesn't require a prescription. So <laughs> come find us. So it's, it's fluid in the sense of people could get involved at any point, not just, okay, we're going to start this workshop series for new Correct. people. We, it's it's a, a rolling a rolling set of workshops. Uh, the topic of the day, usually we do a warm-up at the beginning of the workshop. Mm-hmm. And by watching the people in the warm-up, that tells me what we need to work on for that day. Mm-hmm. So maybe people are having a hard time focusing or listening to each other. So we do focusing and listening exercises. Mm-hmm. Maybe people are having a hard time uh, being creative and detailed in mm-hmm. what they're doing. And so we'll work on creativity and detail. Maybe people are, are having a hard time getting words to come out of their mouth. So we'll, we'll work on speed of thought mm-hmm. that day. And how about the physicality? Are there some limits in terms of maybe somebody has a physical issue and it really wouldn't be likely that this would work for them? Just generally anyone can do this okay uh, as long as myself and your fellow actors are aware of okay. physical limitations okay. uh, for example uh, I try not to jump onto Jason's back <laughs> and I'd be sure to say thank you every time <laughs> but there are other actors I had a, an actor in last week's show jump onto my back which is fine so we're just aware of what each other's strengths and limitations are. Uh-huh. Okay. 
And so tell us a little bit about the shows, because you're saying there are shows all every week. There are, yes. <laughs> wow. Which just boggles my mind, but yeah. So we have we have two different kinds of shows that we do right now. Uh -huh. One type of show, which is the show we're doing this coming Friday, is an improv show. Uh, it, generally in an improv show, we have two halves. In the first half, we do what we call games. Games are the kinds of things that you might have seen on Whose Line Is It Anyway on TV. They are shorter and a little bit more gimmicky. So for example, we might do a game where Jason and I are just having a conversation. Someone else rings a bell. And anytime we hear the bell ring, we have to change what we just said to something different. So uh, can I try that? Real sure, fast? you bet. So, <laughs> so hey, Jason, uh, I saw I saw you out, out at breakfast the other day. Yeah, you bet. Um, I was uh, enjoying some nice uh, bacon and eggs. Ding. Uh, orange juice and apple jacks. Ding. Uh, hamburger and uh, just a big old glass of water. That's good. Water's so important. So, <laughs> so whoever's off stage just keeps dinging until they hear something fresh, interesting, something they would like to hear. <laughs> and and that that really uh, really puts a lot of pressure on the performer. <laughs> yeah, that's not something we would do to someone just coming to a workshop. By the uh -huh. way, that's, <laughs> we start we start people at workshops very easily. Uh -huh. We ease them into it. So. <laughs> That's something only experts like Jason can do. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's that's the first part of our show is is games like that. Probably forty five minutes to an hour of games. The second half of the show, we will do uh, sometimes an improvised one act play. So we have 25, 35 minutes of uh, everyone assumes a character and they have relationships and there's a plot. Sometimes we'll do a series of different scenes that are that are all related in some way. But our second half tends to be a, a bit more cohesive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so do you all, the members who are there that show, have any idea what's going to happen? Zero idea what's going to happen. No. <laughs> it's just as much a surprise to us. <laughs> it's uh, organized in... Uh, John will pick out some games that we'll play, uh -huh. that, like just so we have at least some framework. Uh, for the first half, but the second half is completely uh, up in the air. You never know what the what the heck's going to happen. So how does how does the play get started? Well, you the the one act play for the second. Yeah. Uh, generally, we come out. Uh, I come out and I ask the audience for a a word or an example of a relationship or or something like that. Just uh -huh. whatever the audience shouts out, uh, that's what becomes the basis for our one act play. Uh -huh. So that word enters our minds and whatever that makes us think of, that's that's what we start. And how many people are usually on this stage or is there a usual? Uh, you can have almost any number in, in it. I've done, I've done a one person improv show and I have done a show with 30 people. Uh, that was way less fun. But, <laughs> uh, generally, we tend to have five or six people. Uh -huh. okay. So do you, does that, do you know, do you as the director know in advance or is it just whoever shows up that's in? No, we do. We do schedule in advance to try to make sure that all of our actors get approximately the same amount of stage time, uh -huh. things like that. Uh -huh. So yeah, we know, we know who's going to be in the show. Also, they want to be able to tell their friends and family. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> that's cool. And the themes sometimes, like I noticed um, last week, there was a theme that was related to to TV parodies and this right. picture of a Spock-like person. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So uh, in an improv show, if you're if you're telling people about it, 
it can be somewhat nebulous because yeah. you're like, oh, you're doing a show. What's it about? Don't know yet. What might, we, what might we see? Hard to say. <laughs> so we like to put a little bit of a theme on it just so we, we have, you know, something to give the people. Uh -huh, you know, uh -huh. uh, if this coming Friday is our America and stuff show. So we'll, we'll be doing sort of patriotic like scenes and the suggestions we get from the audience will be America related. So even though it could be scary, <laughs> <laughs> it could be, and sometimes is. <laughs> well, I think that's one of the, the beautiful things is it's so responsive to where the audience is. Uh -huh. Like if the audience comes in with a certain perspective, then that's, what's going to get infused into the show. Uh -huh. And so, um, you know, when you talk about where those suggestions come from, when you talk about what they're reacting to, because uh -huh. that, uh, you know, where the audience is at absolutely directs where the improv goes. Uh -huh. If they're really reacting to some uh, particular theme, guess what? That's what a lot of the rest of the show is going to be, or at least it's yeah. going to influence it. Yeah. And so that's one of the beautiful things about improv is in a lot of theater, it is presented as it is, and the audience comes and experiences what you give them. Whereas improv, a lot of it is that that responsiveness, that um, group experience, uh -huh. and so I think that that's that's an important element. That's very cool. The show is definitely different depending on who comes to see the show. Yeah, yeah. So, and how are you? This I think this is a challenge that I experience in the art community around here. Is how do you get people there for like the first time, as opposed to people who are sort of friends of, of people and and you know it's like you go to a poetry event and half of the three quarters of the 90 percent of the audience are other poets you know that kind of thing because that's always my thing is like we need to experience new things not just go to that thing that we always go to yes as soon as you figure that out if you would let me know <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I my my philosophy is I will do some minimal advertising. Uh, we will do good quality shows every single week, uh -huh. and word of mouth will eventually spread. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I and I think that's that's important and true. And and I also see things kind of ebb and flow, you know. And so I will say to our listeners and to you all, I I do hope that that people from the guild will be part of the event called Words Save Lives that we do on each year on September 10th, which is World Suicide Prevention Day. Um, because I think that the more different kinds of things that we do at that mic, the, the better in terms of just letting people know there are different things to experience, there are different kinds of emotions, different kinds of topics, you know, and, and so that's a show where there's poetry, there's stories, there's comedy. This year there'll be drag. Because last year, too close to the date, I'm listening to NPR and I hear Terry Gross and RuPaul talking and RuPaul says drag saves lives. And it's like, of course. And that's something that we need in this event. You know, The more different kinds of performers. And, and so the side benefit to me is, in addition to people being there together, connecting and, and feeling like they're part of something, they're getting exposed to something that they wouldn't necessarily have been at. You know, these poets who are there might not have gone to a comedy show, but they're hearing some of these people, you know, and, and vice versa. And, and then it is an event where there are people who are there as 
audience members, not because they're a performer yet of any particular thing. And so I love those those varieties of things. And shout out to Sarah Robinson, who's been part of, of your improv in Lawrence when she was there and now she's in Chicago. But she had a great variety show called The Spark each month at the Percolator Lawrence. Well, before she moved back to or moved to Chicago for training and life adventures. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's a good thing. When we mix it up, sometimes we get people that I didn't know I'd like that. It's like, yeah, well, right, there you right. go. <laughs> and and improv to me seems it's it's there's this relevance of getting back to you all talking about it's about being in the moment. You know, and and what a wonderful thing to not be focused on all that swirl of stuff about I have to get this thing done before this time because at this time I have to you know and all that stuff that we do to ourselves, and so to to be able to let that go is a challenge, <laughs> but a very good one, right? It is a good one, yeah. and that's that's something we we meet every single week, and we learn how to do it better and better mm -hmm. every single week. And little sidestep before we take a break. So are you also sometimes doing the other kinds of acting that you had done historically? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's right. Yes. The, the part, part of uh, the, the other kind of show that uh -huh. we do uh, is, is not traditional scripted acting. It's uh, we, we have been doing parody scripted readings of uh -huh. things. So we have a teleprompter and we have a script and we, all assume our characters. We put on some very basic costume pieces and have some basic props. Uh -huh. And we do some very silly, hilarious <laughs> shows. That, uh, we've, done a, we've done a parody of Jurassic Park. We've done a uh, scripted reading parody of Star Trek here a couple times. I don't know if you knew this, you were looking at Captain Kirk and Dr. McCoy right in front of you. <laughs> but things, uh, scripted readings like that, they they help a little more in in spreading the spreading the word in a more concrete way like uh -huh. okay if you come to this show you know exactly mostly what you're going to get you're uh -huh. going to see a sci-fi parody or you're going to see uh willy wonka and the chocolate factory parody uh -huh. we know what that is we'll come see that yeah and once people see that we will entertain them they usually come back <laughs> <laughs> and you personally are you doing some other kinds of acting separate from the improv I have. I've done. I've done a lot of acting at Theater Lawrence here mm -hmm. in town. Uh, I was uh, Nathan Detroit in Guys and Dolls at this mm -hmm. this time last year, and Emil De Beck in South Pacific, and The Dentist in Little Shop of Horrors, and, and uh, that that's a lot of fun too. Mm -hmm. I I haven't done as much lately because this theater has taken so much time. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> Because my children need need to see their dad once in a while. So yes, that's a good thing. That's <laughs> but that's that's a great kind of acting to do cool. as well. All right. <laughs> well, we're gonna take a short break and then we're gonna be back with more talk with me with John Robinson and Jason Kieser, who are members of the Guild Theater here in Lawrence. We're gonna hear right now from a couple of businesses that sponsor LawrenceHits.com. And I thank Daniel Smith, who produces this show, so people get to hear it. Thank you, Daniel. We'll be right back. And back to talk with me with the Theater Guild. The Guild Theater. Excuse me, I said it backwards. Both. Did I say it backwards? It, it works either way. <laughs> the Guild Theater. But if you want to find it on Facebook, the Guild Theater Florence. That's yes. it. <laughs> and you can get involved. You can go to shows. 
And I wonder how many people go to shows and then go, hmm, I think I'm going to do this. I think I could. I think I could. <laughs> that happens. <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll see people that uh, sneak in for a show and then you will see them show up at a workshop and you do a little bit of brain work to figure out, why do I recognize them? Why do I recognize them? Oh, that's right. And you start connect, making those connections uh -huh. as far as what gets people through the door in the first place. Yeah. It's kind of a chicken and the egg in terms of do they find out about the workshop first or do they find out about the show and where, uh -huh. does, where does that fit in? Yeah. But, one of our one of our performers right now, his name is Zach. He came to see one of our shows on a Friday night. Uh, he volunteered. We don't ever make anyone come up on stage because that's not the audience's job. Uh -huh. But we do sometimes ask if anyone would like to. Uh -huh. So in this case, Zach volunteered to come up on stage and he did a little scene with us. And then we happened to do another show the following night. And Zach was also in the audience of that show. Then we saw him again at workshop the next week, and he never left. Oh, that's great. <laughs> For some reason, my mind jumped to what wasn't an intentional improv moment, but was <laughs> this lovely thing that happened at one of the Spark and Flame shows that um, Shai Catterton, when she was hosting it, and at this particular show, there was this guy who his thing, his his fame, his skill has to do with yo-yos. And so he does this like international competition with yo-yos. And so he invites somebody to volunteer to do something with him. And the person who chooses to volunteer is Tarian LaCharles, who I know sometimes yes. is, is with you all, right? Has come so, to our workshops yeah. also. Yeah, <laughs> so, so Tarian gets on the stage with this person and the person looks at the audience and says, I've never had a woman volunteer before. And Tarian whispers, but loud enough that uh, where I'm sitting here, I'm not a woman, I'm a man. <laughs> um, and so there's this little back and forth between this this performer and this volunteer with the getting louder as, as Tarian is, is <laughs> trying to make sure this person understands that Tarian is a man. And so their their resolution was, and a very beautiful man. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved that moment. It was great for everybody. It was great for the yo-yo guy. It was great for the audience. It was delightful for Tarian. He was very gracious about it all. <laughs> we love moments like that because the, the, way, the way we look at things, uh, improv is something that everyone not only can do, but does do. Uh -huh. Because it's not like we go through life with a script. Uh -huh. When we decide what to say to the person at the grocery store, nobody's telling us how to do that. Right. So what we do in improv is we just take what we're already doing and we channel it. Uh -huh. And we try to get from where we are right now to the most impactful, whether that's comedic or dramatic or whatever. We try to get from point A to point B the quickest and most efficient way possible. Uh -huh. And so could you two give our radio audience a little taste of that? Yeah, I think I think we could. I, I didn't know that this might happen, Jason. <laughs> I was not prepared. Good for... thing you are so good at just rolling with it. <laughs> so I know you had your whole day scripted out until this moment. <laughs> so um, what, what we might do then is we might ask you, Marsha, if you would just give us any word, any word at all, and, and we will uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> washboard. Washboard. This is us getting into character. <laughs> it looks better than it sounds. <laughs> 
So I got asked to go back downtown and uh, and busk again. Well, well, sure you did. Uh, you're one of the best we got. You know I'm always going to send you out on those jobs when when they come up. I end up making money though. That's all right. That that's that's kind of what we're shooting for here. You, you make your money, I get a cut. Quid pro quo. I don't do it for the money, man. When I make money doing this, it demeans the whole art. All right. I, I, I respect your, your vision as an artist, and I really do appreciate your integrity. At the same time, you know, these elaborate costumes that you continue to insist on aren't free. We do need to have something coming in so we can support what you're trying to accomplish. I'm so tired of this. What do you need from me? I, I'm here. I'm here to support you. I need you to tell me what you need to see. I want to be completely separate from the whole money part. I want to go out and make the art, and then you make the money happen somehow. Okay. I said I was here for you. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to, to take this step. What if I go out and, and, and do the busking so that you don't have to... <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure if you're buying I, into this. I mean, you can, you can busk. You can, you can do that. I mean, that's your right. You can, you can make all, all the art you want to make. <laughs> I kind of feel like, like this is not a two-way street where, where I'm trying to be there for you. And you're kind of throwing. I'm, okay, I tell you I, what. You go out there. You busk. I'll stay here and I'll take up the money part. I'll stack up all your pennies. I, I appreciate that. I, I don't know if I appreciate the tone, but uh, I'm certainly willing to go out there and give this a shot if, if you're you're willing to let me borrow your your clothes as long as we're both doing things we were not meant to do let's let's go all out well now that's just you're getting patently. you're getting the feather headdress too <laughs> well i didn't agree to that i i, I just want to go out there I want, I want to do a clean show you're getting the purple puffy pants <sighs> you're getting the witch shoes everything you're wearing it all washboard symbols you're going whole one man band if I have to look at dollar bills and nickels, you're going out there in full 16th century Italian makeup. <clears throat> I will draw the line at the puffy pants. <laughs> okay, there we go. That's that's a a scene. <laughs> and what the, the listeners don't know is that we had all of those props here. <laughs> okay, that's, not true. that's intense, guys. <laughs> So what we what we try to do when we make a scene is uh, we we get the we get the suggestion we roll it around in our minds for a second, and uh, whatever that inspires in us we just start talking and then we I didn't know that's where that scene was going to go uh-huh. but uh, we listen to each other and we just walk down that path together uh, and when we try to uh, try to respond to each other naturally uh-huh. as naturally as possible. And I will give credit to Barry Washboard yes. Barnes for the inspiration because I had a recent conversation with somebody <laughs> who didn't know Barry. And I said, well, you know downtown Lawrence, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know how there are those breezeways that have murals? Yeah. So the mural that looks sort of like a totem of people that's by Signs of Lives, that person at the bottom with the dreads and the, the braids and the washboard, that's Barry Barnes, man. He's a community treasure. <laughs> And the treasure is a good word. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Which is also, uh, he went through my mind (laughs) to help inspire that scene too. Yes. (laughs) But you didn't fall back on his art in terms of what you would do with that washboard word. You know, you definitely were not Barry Barnes. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) You were not playing Zydeco on the street corner. (laughs) 
I think that probably speaks to the importance of the practice, you know, the, the workshops, doing the work, um, showing up, doing what you need to do in order to practice the skills and gain the tools. Because mm -hmm. one of the first questions I always get when I say, oh, I got to go to rehearsal for improv is, well, those two words don't go together. Rehearsal yeah, for improv, yeah. I thought you were just making stuff up, which is inherently true. Yes. At the same time, like anything else in, you know, uh, that you want to get good at, you have to be willing to actually do the foundational work yes. that puts you in a place when somebody throws something at you. Yeah. You don't maybe go into that fight or flight mode. You're actually willing to recognize, okay, no, I know what, you know, I know what I can do next, right? I know how to react to this. Because um, the skills that we practice are, I think, practical. You can mm -hmm. apply them to, you know, pretty much any other aspect of life. Mm -hmm. It's just, you usually you don't give yourself permission to take an hour or two hours at a time and practice those specific skills because you got to get the laundry done or you got to get the kids to school or you got to, you know, make sure that the bills are paid. <laughs> so that's, that's where a lot of that comes from. So is there a tradition of improv in the sense of, are there, are there some key people for, for people to learn about, or is it all kind of in the moment, whatever your group is doing, that's how you learn. A lot of people, when they're when they're looking for improv, most people are, these days are exposed to it through places like Whose Line Is It Anyway on TV or the Upright Citizens Brigade uh, uh, or Second City. They do a lot of <clears throat> they do a lot of the the legwork as far as spreading the word about improv. Mm -hmm. But when it when it comes to improv, improv to me is kind of an equivalent term to music. When you say I like music, there are numerous kinds of music that you could be a fan of. Mm -hmm. The same is true with improvs. There are, there are so many different kinds of improv that you could be a fan of. Most people at this point are not aware of that. Mm -hmm. uh, all of the things that we do at the theater, we, we try to, the, the one act play is different than the games. Even, even uh, the kind of one act play we do, there are innumerable different kinds that we could do there. Mm -hmm. So, Going to see shows is the best way to learn about improv. Mm -hmm. But you also mentioned you went and studied in Chicago, right? Yes, you right. In Chicago. Yes. What was that like? Oh, that was a, it was a life changing experience. Uh -huh. uh, when I, I went, I went for uh, an intensive in in the summertime, and then followed it up with with a class or two. Um, the The intensive, you go and you spend basically a month, forty hours a week learning improv, doing improv, which <laughs> if that doesn't jumpstart your improv career, nothing will. Mm -hmm. uh, so and when you're not taking classes and learning and doing the workshops, I don't know what the other people did. I went and saw shows in the evening. Mm -hmm. So I basically dove in and swam around improv and I learned as much as I could because I knew that would maybe be my only chance that I, I had to do that. Uh -huh. And if, if people are able to do that it's it, there's nothing else like it uh -huh. so so if they don't have the opportunity to go to some place like that then either way it's so experiential that yes. just saying okay i'm gonna get involved i'm gonna do this i'm gonna try this i'm yes. gonna learn this by and coming to our workshops yeah. is, is is another way to yeah. do that and it's it's very it's very low on expectation or, or pressure. Uh -huh. uh, I, but even still, you, people, people have told me, I, I can't even believe this uh, on, on, a, on a practical level, but I, 
they have told me that it has changed their lives. Yeah. People have said that, you know, the, the, the concepts that we learn have changed the way that I think and have changed the way that I manage my daily life. Yeah. And I have had people that say that have said to me that it has saved their lives. Yes. Which I, I, can't even comprehend, but I'm so glad that yeah. they were able to take something from, from what yeah. we do. Yeah. Well, that's what I hear. I mean, that's sort of how I got this show from what it was originally asked to be when Jay and Kim and Daniel said, I want you to do a show, uh, this radio show to where it is, is because I kept having people who would say that thing of this saved my life. And they might be talking about their music, they might be talking about writing, they might be talking about painting, graffiti, whatever it was. It's like there's something here about what art and creative expression does for people, you know, and and that's that's huge and that's important. It is. I think I think improv it uh, the way the way we do it it allows people to express themselves and their thoughts, but it allows it also uh, we teach people a different way of thinking about things mm -hmm. and looking at things in a different perspective. Mm -hmm. So I think the combination of those two things can be extremely powerful. Mm -hmm. So do you, as you've been doing this for a while, you've been doing this for a long while, do you sometimes throw out some suggestions to people who are new about, and in the week between this Wednesday and next Wednesday, here are a couple things that you might try. I Most of the time I... I tell people all the things that I said today, remember one or two uh -huh. and think about those and see how you can apply those to your performance, to your life, to whatever. Uh -huh. Everything else, don't worry about it. Just uh -huh. focus on one or two things. Uh -huh. If you can get, if you can do one thing better this week, mm -hmm. you're better off. Mm -hmm. We'll worry about the rest later on. Just take it one, one step at a time. Mm -hmm. And And part of what I'm thinking is not just for the, being on the stage as improv, I'm thinking of it as sort of the, the in some sense, preparation that is also about the real life skills, mm -hmm. which it all is. I'm thinking because I have been paying attention to um, several writer friends who also ha are doing some things to prompt people to write because of really the personal benefit. Mm -hmm. So, um, our listeners can't see it, but there's a little painting on the, the table over there that's a painting of my dog. That painting was done by a poet, painter, photographer in Long Island, New York named Rob Plath. And Rob has a book called Acts for the Frozen Sea. And he has these amazing writing exercises that are really not about, here's how you create a poem by this structure, but about this kind of experience. And one that I just shared with people who are part of the support groups that I do was basically the reminder that we intensely attach and remember pain, but we don't in the same way remember happiness. And so it was a writing exercise for writing 10 experiences of happiness to really reinforce those in your brain. And I shared that with people in a bereavement group for suicide loss, as well as for people in, in a group who are people who have suicide thoughts and suicide attempts, you know, and that being able to open your brain up to new stuff is an important thing. So that's, you know, so, so I have, you know, Rob's book and, and Annette Billings and Diane Silver are doing workshops on writing for hope and, 
and Iris Craver, um, who you may know because she, her work has been in substance abuse. She was a professor at Washburn for a long time, and that's mm -hmm. her field. Um, she's done a lot of writing work with people, um, women at the First Step House, uh, which is for women in recovery, women and their kids, and in other settings. She does, and so she has a book about journaling for recovery with writing prompts. And so, so that idea of sort of giving something specific for people to latch onto to try something different, that's, that's why I was asking, I was wondering if there are some things like that, that you might, even right now, as I've said that, anything you would say, either of you, for the listeners, you know, if you, if you want to, in your own life, experience some of what we're talking about, in addition to, yeah, come on Wednesday and try it, you know, come to a show, follow us on Facebook and come to one of the, you know, the shows and see what this is about. Here's something in your own life. And maybe you do that sometimes with clients. Are there, are there some kind of prompts of whatever we want to call it that you might suggest for some people? Well, I can, I can certainly say that in terms of what both of you are saying, there are so many uh, key elements as far as how do you apply this? How do you carry this into not just that, you know, one or two hours that you're working on the skill, uh -huh. but how do you make it work for the rest of your life? And um, to the kind of homework, you know, mm -hmm. aspect, which maybe that's, that's very important <laughs> for some people, um, is, you know, John shares in workshop, one of the things that he is really, really effective at is pointing out something that you may not be aware of that you're uh, doing um, over and over again, mm -hmm. kind of those patterns that we develop that we're not aware of, mm -hmm. which once again, is one of the great things about workshop is you've got other people seeing what you do mm -hmm. and it's um, a safe environment in which they can express that, mm -hmm. not in any sort of critical fashion, but then take that and actually uh, use it the rest of the week. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing expressly that's said um, that uh, this is what you need to work on this week, mm -hmm. but it has a way of sticking in there. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that I've been working on is I have a tendency to drag the past in. Like I'll be like, well, you know, this thing is the, you know, this is the way that thing was mm -hmm. rather than being in the moment and just experiencing what's right there. Mm -hmm. And so what I try to do myself is not drag the past into where I am, but just recognize, okay, the past has influenced where I am. Right. Now let's take steps forward yeah. from there rather than dwelling. Yeah. Um, I think another uh, thing that can be pretty, has been helpful for me at least, and that I see uh, maybe other people respond to, is just this whole principle of yes and, which is kind of the foundation of improv uh, as I experience it, which is just that piece of radical acceptance that this is what's here. Mm -hmm. You're not going to refuse it because it's mm -hmm. here. This is, you know, if you're looking at a rock, this is a rock. This is just what it is. Mm -hmm. um, you can ignore that rock, but you might end up tripping over it. So what if we, you know, go ahead and accept that this rock is here mm -hmm. and decide what we're going to do now that this rock is here. Mm -hmm. Improv thrives on that, that mm -hmm. yes and. Mm -hmm. And so what I try to do is accept things as they are, which is a little bumper stickery, you know, when you start <laughs> talking about um, addiction and such. But that piece of it really is uh, invaluable to me as far as this is where we're at. This is what's going on. What does this mean to me right now? Or uh -huh. how am I going to you know, relate to this? Yeah. So that's a piece for me. Yeah. So it's that, that now part is really essential. Mm -hmm. And to me, the yes and is saying those things aren't limiters. Those, those past experiences, whatever, they aren't limiters. They, we, we move forward with them. And sometimes that means things like moving forward with anxiety. Mm -hmm. Yes, I have anxiety and I'm going to go do this thing. <laughs> anxiety for me is such a challenge too, because it can be dismissed so easily when people say, just get over it. Mm -hmm. You know, we know how people can be when it comes to maybe not recognizing uh, how impactful things like anxiety and depression can yeah. be. And 
it's more about recognizing anxiety is largely about fear. Uh-huh. Fear is largely about the uncertainty of the future uh-huh. and bringing it back to that place of, okay, I acknowledge that I'm, I'm okay with it. There's some unknown things. What do I do right now? Uh-huh. Am I just going to stand here? And sometimes that's what we need to do. We need to just stand there uh-huh. uh, at the same time, recognizing that it's that fear of the unknown as opposed to what's actually there because mm-hmm. we don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Improv, once again, comes back to the same thing of, I'm not sure what's happening, but I know that I've put some people around me that I can mm-hmm. seem to trust, so I'm going to take a step forward. Mm-hmm. And then all of that anxiety can disappear because now we're in something new and we found that, oh, I'm being supported. So once yeah. again, back to that practical nature. Yeah. That's really important for us is creating a space that feels safe for people to be able to be vulnerable because getting up on stage without a script and saying stuff is not a comfortable thing for most people. Right. So we make sure that it's a comfortable place and, and we sort of start out so easily that people don't even know they're improvising until it's happening. Uh-huh. I'm tricky like that. <laughs> he is very, very skilled at getting you to do things that you didn't realize that you were about to do. Um, it's like, Oh, by the way, You've been improvising now for a half hour and you've been fine. Uh-huh. So let's just keep doing that. <laughs> and, uh, and and because of that, uh, that atmosphere of acceptance, no matter who you are or what you've got to say, we'll, we'll come in and uh, we make a space that is safe for you. And we, we do, I will say, we do put on some limitations on, you know, making sure that, that the things people say are, kind and not hateful toward any any particular group um, but other other than than being cruel to people we are we're all about let's let's hear what you have to say and so if you were a writer i would say and buy the books here's where you can buy the books <laughs> and so I, what i want to ask you is so how can people help this guild theater continue what what are ways that people can financially support as sure. well as participate. Well, we are we're in the middle of getting our nonprofit status right now. So we are so close. We're within a month or so of being able to accept donations. Okay. Uh, in the meantime, we have a show every single Friday night at eight o'clock. Come and see a show. Say hello to us. And there's an admission for there's the show. There's an admission fee right now of yeah. $7.50 uh-huh. uh, for adults, $6 for students. We also have a, a place for donations and you can just throw as much cash down that, that little uh-huh. hole that, that you like. So. Yeah. So when people are doing the, the Wednesday, do you encourage people to donate that? People are welcome to donate for the Wednesday workshops, but I, you know, I, I would prefer to give it away for free, honestly. Mm-hmm. So uh, if, if people would like to donate for to help the theater survive, that's great. You can great. do the busking, Jason. <laughs> Guess that's on me. Yeah, you know there there was maybe maybe a little bit of real life in that scene. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know I would like to live in that world without money. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so yes, I, I understand that that money is necessary, which yeah. is why I begrudgingly do accept donations. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> and and I'm eternally grateful for those that do come in. Yeah. <laughs> Because there are expenses and yes. there's a lot of time, obviously, and there are some outright expenses. And so that's I did spend my whole life savings, you know. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that, that's, one of, that's one of my reminders to listeners is that 
supporting local businesses and local arts or part of local businesses is essential because we all benefit from that. And, and when I hear something like this with a place that creates safety for anybody to participate and that it's not just about you're going to do this thing and perform in front of people. It's, it is a life changing, life enhancing experience for people, you know, and, and so to keep that available, to make that possible, then there are ways that people who can, can, can put some money there. They can go to shows and pay the admission. They can make donations. It'll be a little bit more probably prominent when you have the 501c3 for people who are, you know, that, who that's a motivator that they'll get, you know, a tax credit for doing it, you know, whatever, however it works. But, you know, if people think about, well, if this were a class, not to, if this were a class at Lawrence Arts Center, what would I be paying to go to two months of improv training? Mm -hmm. I would be paying. There is no question. I would yes. be paying. And yes, the Lawrence Arts Center, and there, it's a wonderful place, and there are financial scholarships, you know, so they don't want to be prohibitive for anybody. I'm not meaning to imply that. Yes. But the bottom line is that those who can pay are asked to pay a, a fee yes. for everything, every workshop, every training experience that you get at the at, Lawrence Art Center. And that makes sense because it takes people and expenses to, to make things work. So for those of us who want to consider this Guild Theater as one of the things that we realize that this is really important. This is really cool. I want to tell this person, maybe, maybe I'm thinking, you know, it may seem weird, but I might say to somebody, you know, this might be a really cool thing for you to do with some of the stuff that you're going through. This might be a really cool way to kind of express some of that in a new way. And sometimes that's what we need is new tools for expression. That's what I think about with art. And yeah, absolutely. And from the viewpoint of accessibility, uh, I think uh, one thing that it's important to remember is there's no expectation of performance. You, you're not obligated just by coming to a workshop or coming to some workshops that you have to go on stage. Some people just want that safe place amongst other performers that they can practice the right. skills, they can do the thing, mm -hmm. and they have zero desire to be in front of people they don't know. They have zero desire to actually be in the show itself. Mm -hmm. And you'll see that where people will come to the workshops and they'll just you know, uh, participate in, in this skill building and kind of taking the steps to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and they have, once again, zero interest in actually taking it in front of other people. Mm -hmm. And we don't make people do anything they don't want to do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yep. And uh, so bringing it back to, just show up, see what you think. If it's something you want to keep coming back and, and doing, great. Yeah. If you get a taste for it and you're like, oh, okay, thank you for that, and we never see you again, yeah, that's okay too. Yeah. Once again, there's no um, expectation. Right. It's just come, have fun, hope to see you again. If not, <laughs> we'll right. say hi on the street. <laughs> and so we're talking about the Guild Theater here in Lawrence, the location at 1910 High School. And people can really follow what's going on, when it's going on, by going to the Facebook page, the Guild Theater Lawrence. They can message you, John, and you'll respond, letting them know what they need to know. Absolutely. They might show up once, and it may be a while, and they're welcome to show up later. They may come to one of those Wednesday things, and they can come head high to a performance night, even though that's not something that they're ready to do at that point. You know, it's like... No, no judgment about did you continue at this point? It's like experience it, benefit from it in whatever ways you need to, this totally welcoming environment. So I want to thank you, John Robison, for being the head honcho, making this thing happen. 
and you, Jason Kieser, for being a member and being part of sharing this on air today. And I hope that some of our listeners will go, check this out. Sounds cool. <laughs> and if you're not in Lawrence, Kansas, look for the improv where we are, because it's probably around. Thanks, and so long to our listeners. <laughs>